Simple Life Together, Episode 14, How Typical is Your Home and a Gateway Gadget Intervention. Hi, and welcome to Simple Life Together, a podcast dedicated to leading a simpler life in the modern world. I'm Dan Hayes. And I'm Vanessa Hayes. Welcome back to Simple Life Together. On the last show, Dan talked about starting a side gig or lifestyle business, and I talked about starting lessons in simplicity early in life. Speaking of side gig, the Simple Life Guide to Building Your Side Gig is ready, and we've had a bunch of people sign up for that, right, Dan? Yeah, so if you're ready to start out on the path to shaping your life a bit more by starting a lifestyle business on the side, and you don't have any experience starting up a website, well, this guide and the video links will lead you right through how to set up your site step-by-step, and it even includes some fantastic branding information too. It's 100% and completely free, and you can sign up at simplelifetogether.com slash website guide, all one word. We'll also have a link in the sidebar of the website at simplelifetogether.com where you can get it as well. How simple is that? That's awesome. And it really is. It's a great guide. So anyway, today I'll be talking about what happened to a simple American home, and Dan will be talking about Gateway Gadgets. All right. So why don't you start us off? Well, Dan and I were interviewed a couple of times last week, and during one of the interviews, we were talking about how much stuff we have in our homes. And Dan started talking about the study of a typical suburban home, um, of typical suburban homes that he came across while doing research online. It was a study conducted by UCLA's Center on Everyday Lives of Families. They sent a team of professional archaeologists, anthropologists, and other social scientists to conduct a systematic study of home life in 32 middle-class dual-income families in Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, and these weren't like the, these were just typical families. They're not like the families you see on hoarders or anything right, like right, that. Right, right, We're talking two to three kids. Just typical. You know, typical American, 32 yeah. typical families in Los Angeles. Right, right. right. Yep. So anyway, based off of this study, they created a book. It's called Life at Home in the 21st Century. 32 Families Open Their Doors, which you can you buy can get on, that on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. It's like a little coffee table book or something. Yeah. Um, too bad it's not on Kindle. I know it should be a digital copy. <laughs> One more thing to add. I yeah. know, right? Because otherwise I'd probably get it. Um, anyway, UCLA also created three short ethnographies for the university television Wait, station. It's a video. Right? <laughs> okay. I don't know what an ethnography is. So yeah, they got three videos. <laughs> Okay. All right, babe. For the university television station. Well, anyhow, I guess they had them for their, yeah, the television station there, but um, they're now posted on YouTube. So we'll have links to the article and the university and the YouTube videos in the show notes, right? Yes, yes. So they're all there. (laughs) Check out our ethnographies. (laughs) Maybe we should put a definition in there, right? Yeah, yeah, because I'd like to know. Well, it's like the same thing. Like, what's the definition? Be- what's the difference between an archaeologist and an anthropologist? Uh, I think one studies stuff and the other studies like people and interactions, right? Yeah, I think uh, like an archaeologist, like anthropology studies cultures and yeah. I mean even artifacts and all that kind of stuff. I think an- you took anthropology, right? I, yeah. yeah, and I aced it. Just saying. Just saying. I just dumped it all. I forgot it all. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Anyhow, we'll have definitions for you. There you go. So, but the book and the videos highlight their major findings, which I thought were absolutely fascinating. Well, maybe not so fascinating to me since I see this kind of stuff all the time with my clients, but, but I, honest, thought, I thought they were, that was amazing. Yeah. You know? well, I guess, I guess for me, no matter how much you see it, it just never gets easier and it's still eye opening. 
So I won't do any spoilers here, so I'll let you continue, but uh, (laughs) I got a few points I want to talk about, I know. Very cool. Well, the pictures and videos may not be as mouth-dropping as what you might see on the show Hoarders, you know, the sensationalized horror shows that are out there, but I do think it hits a lot closer to home because it's not just highlighting those extreme cases of hoarding, it's highlighting what is becoming, or rather actually already has become, the norm in middle-class America. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, the, what makes it the scary part. Yeah, and I mean it's and we're talking about it's you know these studies were done obviously in Los Angeles, right. and but, American homes, but, but this could relate, I'm sure, to any anywhere in Western civilization, right? You know, anybody who has a a, a burgeoning middle class economy and and access to stuff and and all that. So. Well, yeah, I mean it just goes to show you with all the folks that we have around the world that are listening yep. too. You know, I mean it's just it's it's hitting people. Yeah, maybe at different levels, but it's impacting the entire world. Speaking of which, we'd love to hear from you if you're. Uh, uh, we do have a lot of listeners outside the U.S., mm-hmm. so if you see this as a trend where you live as well, please oh, l- drop us a comment. We would love to know because that would be you know, awesome. We're kind of in our little shell here, and and uh, we would like to have some info on that too. So what I thought I'd do today is review some of the major findings and discuss what they mean to us or say about us as as a society. Uh, And then maybe we'll discuss some takeaways or things for you to think about and reflect on after listening to these research findings. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so so here we go. I'm just going to jump into some of these things. And and again, like I usually am, not in any particular order. I'm just going to throw these things out there and... Of course, Dan and I will just discuss some. And their findings, so there'll be some reading involved. Right? Right, right. right. I'm going to be reading to you people. Sorry. Otherwise, they're called sayings. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, anyhow, when they visited family number 27, because they... There was 32 families. There was 32, and each family had a number. But family number 27, they found 2,260 visible possessions in the first three rooms recorded. That was two bedrooms and the living room. Now, these are just visible possessions. Yeah. Yep. And that didn't include untold numbers, and I'm quoting here, untold numbers of items tucked into dresser drawers, boxes, and cabinets, or items positioned behind other items. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's what we're trying- That's just stuff that's out. Yeah, and that's, that's what we're trying to get rid of this year. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Over 2,000 wow, things. Wow, yeah. So in another home, family number one, they looked at a display shelf in a girl's bedroom. Now, this display wasn't just one shelf. It was like a big- it was like a wall of shells, basically. Okay. I thought it was like, a shelf. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, well, because I'm mean, now watching, after watching the video, I see uh, what shelf they're talking yep. about. But basically, let's just picture a wall of these little shelves. They had 165 Beanie Babies, 36 human-slash-animal figurines, 22 Barbie dolls, 20 other types of dolls, three porcelain dolls, one troll, and one miniature castle. But you got to have a troll. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, and a bridge. Right? So there's got to be a bridge, right? Yeah, we said that earlier. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, that's kind of that's a lot of toys just on one yep. one display shelf and one display wall. You know? Okay, here's another thing. Um, what they noticed too is that we're spending more on kids than ever before. America has 3.1 percent of the world's kids, yet it owns 40 percent of the world's toys. Wow. I mean, I should be so shocked, but. But once I see the numbers, it's like, oh my gosh, really? Are you serious? (laughs) As a matter of fact, toys were found everywhere in the home, and I can attest to this again in in my profession. Um, It's as if the home had become primarily child-centered. Well, you know, when we were talking about this the other day, I would challenge you that if you could go back in time to like the World War II or pre-World War II era and walked into a home... You're just not going to see. There just wasn't the availability of all this stuff. And, right. and it, it's not like toys took over the home. How did we – I don't know how we got there. Well, but anyway, here, we're gonna well keep actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to okay. tell you some of the things that they kind of concluded is that 
some of the toys weren't just for the kids, but rather for the parents. Like, you know, some of the toys were kind of nostalgic. You know, they, they had this picture of a Snoopy painting hanging up in the main area of one of these homes. And so it was kind of like, it wasn't just for the kids, it was also for the parents as well. But but one of the reasons that we have so many toys is because toys are produced more now than ever before and they're relatively inexpensive and easy to attain. Yeah. So basically you're talking about Imagine Back you know, a few decades ago or whatever, uh, you know, homemade toys or toys that, right, wooden you know, toys yes, and all that stuff. You just, that, you just don't see that no. anymore. And so that's probably why it's a lot easier. I mean, heck you go through a drive through and you're going to get a toy from McDonald's or another place, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no <laughs> so, kidding. so anyhow, they just said there was just an increasing amount of toys in the homes. So what was up with the refrigerator thing? Are you covering that? Yeah. Okay. Jeez. Pretty good. That's the next thing. The average refrigerator front panel in the home studied holds 52 objects. And sometimes stuff is stuck on the side panel as well. Some household fridges were fairly clear of clutter, but almost all had what the study calls high object densities. And in the most just cl- like stuff on top, just one on top, stacked of the other. on there. Yep. Yeah, and I've talked about this a lot in my own videos yep. and things like that. But but anyhow, the most crowded refrigerator was covered with 166 different objects. That's amazing. Yeah, and in most cases, there was a direct corollary to the amount of stuff on our fridge and the amount of stuff in the home. So basically. More, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, so the more cluttered a refrigerator, the refrigerator is, yeah. a more cluttered the home. And I don't have any scientific data to back that up, but again, I do see that, you know, in, in homes that I go in when it's, that's their command centers, that refrigerator has yeah. everything on there, and it's kind of chaotic. You can kind of see that chaos running throughout the rest of the home, too. Yeah, so, I, bet, I bet you there's a, some type of correlation to uh, eating habits, too, with, with that. Who stands there and stares at the front of the refrigerator all day? You know, you put a piece of art on there. Do people just stand there and look at that art all the time? Not usually. I no. don't think. I don't think. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of refrigerators, they found that refrigerators were being used as command centers, which I alluded to earlier yeah. here. It's this stuck-on stuff um, that covers as much as 90% of the fridge. It's a multi-purpose, place-based, 270-degree representation of the family's history of activities. Well... I'm just wondering if, you know, some of the new refrigerators, they come with like iPads built in or iPad holders built in and all that. Mm-hmm. I can see logically where, it, where uh, it makes sense to have that as a command center. Everybody does go to the refrigerator. I'm probably back in the day, you'd have that same command center on the, on the kitchen table or the dining room table sure. because that, everybody's eating together. Not everybody went to the fridge. Well, here's the thing. So though, I'm sure we'll talk about well, meals. Well, here's the thing is that, you know, you, you know what's on our refrigerator? Our main refrigerator, because we do have two. I'll nothing. Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing on it because we have an action. Our command center is in the action file. Yeah. It's nice and contained, and it's on our, our bar counter right. in the kitchen. But I do want to make a point that, yeah, it's a natural place to kind of put stuff. It's kind of centrally located. That's the, you know, the kitchen's kind of the hub of the house. So it's, it's natural to have that stuff there. But what they found is that as they put these things there and these, these refrigerators are getting so cluttered, is that a lot of times they'd have expired coupons, old schedules, it, and things were getting neglected or forgotten because it was just so full. You didn't really know what to concentrate on. Right. And they, and they broke those things down into three categories, right? Yes, it was the, they called it, the, I, I call it the three Ps. It was the personal, so you would see personal things like photos and art projects, uh, practical, which were like the calendars, the schedules, coupons, invitations, and things like that, and then the pretty, which is like kind of, you know, some kind of a pretty object on there. It might be a pretty frame with your picture yeah, on it or, or a, a magnet. magnet. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's just interesting how that, that that one appliance just becomes like this command center in this display 
unit, you know? So now they also talked about garages. Only 25% of garages could be used to store cars because they were so packed with stuff. One article called this the new junk drawer. And, and rightfully yeah, so, because no that's exactly what it's become. And, you know, I've, I've worked with several clients with, um, in, in their garages, and, and we actually had to do this ourselves about a year ago, is that our garage had become so cluttered with just kind of the items that we were storing. And it was kind of organized, but we just had a lot of tools and things, and, and we weren't parking our car in there. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, I really would like to get at least one car in this garage, <laughs> and, yeah. and we did it. You know, we organized well, it. But Yeah, and the funny thing is we're still not in the habit of parking in the garage. We could. Yeah, there's but, space for it, but yeah. <laughs> but it's just interesting that these folks and they have these pictures on in their book and of course on on the videos that just show just mounds and just these garages that are just packed two and even three car garages that are just totally packed. So it just goes to show I me mean, it's just these people just shoving stuff in there and and wow. just storing stuff I'm in there. I'm gonna have to check out these ethnographies. Yes. The, Videos. <laughs> it is a simple show, so we'll keep the yes. terminology simple, Video. right? For me, for me, if no one else. <laughs> it's probably more for me. <laughs> Anyhow, well, they found mountains of clutter in many of the homes. One family even had to resort to using a bathroom shower stall as a laundry hamper. And again, I've seen this where people yeah. will store that. They just see it as a storage space, not really to utilize it for its intended purpose. Yeah, hopefully there's another shower or bath that yeah, right? utilizing. <laughs> Now, they also observed a huge trend in shopping at big box stores. And I like that. I like this terminology. These are stores basically like Sam's Club, Costco, BJ's. It's where you can get bulk wholesale type items. And, and they, they found that these items really actually started to create more clutter because they required so much more storage. They come in these big boxes or all these boxes within a big box. And yeah. so um, a lot of times these these items required, you know, extra storage either out in the garage or in other cabinets and storage areas in the house, or even an additional refrigerator or freezer in yeah. the garage. Yeah, and I, I cannot stand. I don't mind shopping, like when we, food shopping and all that. I right. know you, you kind of despise it. Right, I do. I don't mind, but um, I hate putting stuff away, and you don't mind that. Oh, I mean, just well, recently, you're an organizer. Just recently, I went to to Costco, and I and I do like these stores for a few things, but I was so frustrated because. I felt like I spent just as much time unloading and putting everything away as I did shopping. Yeah. And to me, I just, I, I so value my time now that that stuff is just so incredibly frustrating to me. And, and, and for what? It's because I just want, am I going to save a few pennies per item because I'm buying in bulk? But am I also running the risk of something, you know, spoiling or not ever being used because it was such a great deal? But right. really, am I using that? Or can I just go to the store once a week, not every two weeks, and have shorter you know, shopping trips with less items to pick up. So anyway, I just, this one kind of hit home with me because I get so far and I was trying to figure out what's my anger. Why am I so frustrated? It was because it just all the time and effort it takes and trying to figure out how to make it look nice and store right and all that. So (laughs) see, I'm totally going off on a tangent here, but that's one of the things with, when we talk about the dream home, which we're going to be talking about more in future podcasts, because it's on my mind so much, but uh, I want to have it very walkable where, you can walk down the street to the store, you know, in a yes. little town or whatever. And then you don't have to go to these huge big box stores unless and, it's a specialty item. Yeah, you know? get all these big bulk items, you know, for your major shopping yeah. trips. And so, anywho's good stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, the study didn't just cover organizing all this stuff. It went a little bit deeper and it covered the effects of the chaos, which to me was a little bit more interesting. You know, managing the volume of possessions was such a crushing problem in many of the homes that it actually elevated levels of stress hormones for mothers. Ironically, it rarely affected men. And oh, I would it. The conclusion. 
No, no. I don't want to take eight rounds on that one. Yeah, you would know, huh, babe? Yep, okay. (laughs) Come on, come on. (laughs) No, he's very, very helpful around the home. But it's just because primarily the women are taking care of of the cleaning and the maintenance of the home, as far as the upkeep, I should say. So, So the stress levels, I mean, they were watching these women and they would just, you could see them going, oh, yeah, those are all the books I haven't read yet or... Yeah, that's all the laundry I got to do, and I mean, it was just, and you could, t- and they actually would test them. I think do like DNA test of their saliva or something. Not I, DNA test, but yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Not, but, sorry. Yeah. Clutter can actually change your DNA. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I know what you mean. I know. My blonde moment. I'm a brunette. Yeah. Boy, there's a lot of blonde in these roots here. So anyway, but they were doing these tests, and they they could find that their cortisol cortisol, cortisol, yeah, cortisol yeah, levels, levels would go yeah, up. So it. yep. Anyhow, isn't that fun? But I, I told it depends on your roles too in the family. But like for cooking, we pretty much split that down the middle. Oh yeah, Dan actually lately I, has been doing a heck of a lot more of the cooking. Yeah. But uh, I couldn't stand to. I wouldn't be able to stand working in a real cluttered kitchen. No, it's it's extremely frustrating. Yeah. Now, one of the scientists also discovered that, or he just kind of realized that there's we have all these different ways that items come into the home, like gifts or our own deliberate purchases mm-hmm. or people giving stuff to us, whatever. But there's hardly any processes processes for letting stuff which, go. Which that is the stuff that we hit here all the time. Yep. Yep. One in, one out. One in, one out. The whole edit and forget it challenge. Yep. Um, just being mindful of all these things. Yes, we have to stem the flow of things coming in, mm-hmm. but we have to make a conscious effort to get rid of some of the things that we have that right. are getting in the way. You know, I talk with folks all the time. It's like, you know, it's okay to get new stuff. I mean, I get new stuff. But what is your system? What are your habits of actually letting go of things to maintain that harmony in, in your home? You know, you just keep bringing stuff in. It's just going to fill up to yeah. where you're like, oh, my gosh, you have to take action and do something about it. So, yeah, it was nice to see these scientists kind of, you know, identified that as well as a yeah. problem in these homes. Well, that's why the whole uh, uh, storage industry, at least here in the U.S., mm-hmm. is just booming. I, I th- I'm not sure if you cover it, but I saw one of the statistics. It's like one in 11 or one in 10 homes has uh, external storage. Yeah, I didn't cover that, but I've seen that before. And not just in this study, but I've seen it in other things that I've done on my blog talking about. It's just amazing how many storage units are out there. And it's almost as if, you know, you just feel this need to keep all this stuff. And sometimes it's... It's legitimate, but, you know, it's just passing on all that stuff instead of kind of dealing with it. You know, I'll deal with it another time. So Right. So they talk about all these increased stress levels and everything. Well... So what are what are people doing about it? Well, what they're doing is, and here's what's so funny, is that they're actually trying to seek refuge, you know, a place to escape. Mm-hmm. And what they notice is that a lot of the folks, um, the parents, they invested a lot of money in the master suites. <laughs> and it was, it was actually the most common renovation in the homes, yet the spaces were hardly used. The average master suite upgrade at the time was $80,000 which actually was twice the average household income. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And they never, and they just didn't use them. And they were seldom yep. used. And now I'm all about having a pristine master suite, you know, because you do want to relax. But what they found was that those renovation dollars were probably would have been better suited for other areas of the home where they had these like different bottlenecks or it just wasn't efficiently just wasn't set up. wasn't working for them. Right, yeah. you know, like I would think that the kitchen and the dining room and family areas were probably the number one areas that you should, you know, uh, renovate to make that more efficient because you are always, everybody is impacted by those areas yeah. and you're in them all the time, not just to sleep like the best. That's because they're, I mean, usually really poorly designed and mm-hmm. that's like on you and I we talk about 
that concept that we we discussed called organization based design mm, and how we wanted to do you know um we wanted to help folks in that design process right. to to design if they are building a home build it with simplicity and organization in mind yeah i've actually planning. i've actually had clients that say hey Vanessa i would like you to sit down with my my decorator um and my interior designer too to make sure that we are meeting you know that it's efficient effective you know or it's efficiently designed right. to meet the you know to make sure it stays organized and so i've helped design office spaces and then some bedroom spaces and things like that just kind of saying okay love it it's beautiful design you've got that eye but what about keep how do we keep this organized right. a little bit more efficient flow of things yeah. so so bottom line they spent their money on escaping the problem trying to escape right. the problem and not dealing with it right so that says a lot yep that okay. says a lot now here's another interesting thing is that even in a region there in Los Angeles with clement weather clement yeah. <laughs> don't say that word. That's what inclement. they said. They said clement, inclement weather. But yeah, it means it's nice year round. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like you don't say, you look shoveled. You just say, man, you're disheveled. You, know? <laughs> you look shoveled today. Yeah. So clement weather. Clement okay, go weather? ahead. Yep. I just say, with nice weather year round. There you go. I'm a simple gal. Folks. You don't have to quote them. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was So doing. even in a region with nice weather. With nice weather, <laughs> families hardly use their yards. And this was even the case among those who had invested in outdoor improvements and, and furnishings. Basically, three-quarter of the parents and a half of the kids spent no time outside at all, even after making those wow. upgrades and stuff. So which I'm glad that's not what we deal with. Um, Dan, just recently, well, I say recently, what, a couple years ago? Within the last two years, we've done a lot of improvements. Yeah, in our backyard, because we was not We never used. came out here. It's just because it wasn't very welcoming, but... And it wasn't designed it, for us to enjoy. Exactly, yep. but... Dan solved that, and we are out here all the time, and yeah. it's nice. I mean, I love playing in the backyard, and the, it's funny because the yard shrunk. Yeah, but we play a lot more because it's just a lot cozier. Yeah. It's a lot you know, cozier. this this almost sounds like last week's episode with the frog in the boiling pot of water. People just get used to used to it, and they're laying there and just mm. languishing in their clutter. And oh my gosh, that sounds good. that sounds terrible. I mean, these are typical families, but yeah. man, they they got to see what they're doing to themselves. Yeah. Well, you know, here's another interesting thing is that the number one leisure activity was watching television, even for the parents who had limited interaction time available with yeah. their families. So, I mean, it's probably not surprising to most of you, but that's it's nice to kind of see that brought to light a little bit more. Now people get mesmerized by that. We don't watch a lot of TV unless it's Downton Abbey. <laughs> Downton Abbey, And then we yes. watch that in marathon <laughs> sessions. Right. right, no, but I even like to watch my junk TV every once in a while. Like when I just am so t- burnt out from work and burnt out from you know mommy and wifey duties that yeah. i'm just like i just oh i just like to veg out i want to zone i want to watch meaningless stuff yeah. lately i've been a little bit more deliberate about not doing that but sometimes i can understand i can totally relate to how you just want to chill yep you know you know another thing that was interesting in the studies that most families relied heavily on convenience foods like frozen meals and par-baked bread yet they saved an average of only 10 to 12 minutes per meal in doing so. Yeah, I didn't know what par-baked bread was, but I guess it's like half-cooked stuff that you bring home and yeah. cook it the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I learned something there. Well, there you go. No, yeah, no, <laughs> no surprise. But you know, And honestly, I've been frustrated by this myself. You know, Usually we make homemade meals for the most part, but every once in a while, if we're running, you're busy, you know, I have my my emergency stock of frozen foods in the freezer. But I find that it's just more of a pain in the rear than anything else because I have to, there's three different things that need to be used in, in the oven. I can only fit so much in our easy bake oven or, which is... Which is what we call our... <laughs> what, what do we call... What is that thing? What's it called? It's like that? a toaster oven. Yeah, a little toaster oven. Yeah. We call it the easy bake oven. <laughs> you call it the easy well, bake and it's stuck. And now you don't even know what it's really called. Look at that. 
I'm a bad influence on you. Jeez. So the Easy Bake or the toaster oven, uh, we like to do that because it just... <laughs> yeah, it's a little pink Easy Bake oven with a light bulb on the inside that we use. It's a Krups. <laughs> it's a, yep. So, but, but my point is, is that I have to bake all these things at different temperatures and different times so it doesn't they don't always match up and then i gotta use a microwave and just the other day i was getting upset because i I had purchased this um, bag of steamer vegetables and it's just basically you you put it in the microwave you steam it and it's ready to go right woohoo but then i'm like okay now that it's done and it's cooked i still have to dump it in a bowl so i can serve it to everybody so i didn't save any effort at all I'm like, I'll just get the regular, you know, a bigger bag of corn or whatever and just scoop out what I need in the bowl anyway and cook what I need. But it was like they, they're yeah. selling you this idea that, oh, you're going to save time and, and effort. And, and it, I didn't. Well, I that, didn't save time or effort. That's the it. psychology of selling. Yeah. So you know, the big easy button. And they also discovered dinners were fragmented dinners, those in which family members eat sequentially or in different rooms, which kind of threatened the, the tradition of the family meal, Yeah, you know? Well, and, so, and I just, I mean, we do that occasionally. Like, yeah, you can grab your food here. We'll go, go in and watch TV or maybe a little girl eating her room once in a while. She used to. She doesn't not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. And, and, uh, you know, <laughs> but and, right. It's very important to me that we have meals together. And, and like I said, and I can honestly say that we probably do that probably five out of the seven days out of the week yep. at least. Yep. And so I just think it's incredibly important because that's when we get to learn about our children's days and we get to interact and we get to laugh and tell jokes or, or whatever. Have a good laugh at the little girl as she tries to say grace. Yeah, yeah. Thank, dear God, thank you for letting me go to the yogurt store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's getting much better at that, though. Yeah, she is. Yeah. <laughs> so that's some pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, so yep. those, are just, those are just a few things that I, you know, in their study. But it's, it's just fascinating yet frustrating it's a little sad and, and alarming. At all, least that's yeah, what I felt. All at the felt. same time, I agree. And it really made me think about how hyper-consumerism has affected us as individuals yeah. and as a society. So, you know, I just think about our society, you know, it just kind of says, are we... Are we getting really superficial? Yeah, and, superficial yeah. in that, have we really outsourced nurturing by replacing it with television, toys, and fast food? and. Yeah. And that communication. I'm not going to communicate. I don't. Why are you asking me? It's on the refrigerator. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. You know, and trying to just work things out, and and yeah, just spending time with family and loved ones, and that that's being dictated by our stuff. Yeah. You know, and so like I don't want to be a downer. Hopefully, we weren't a downer. Of course. Yeah. Well, with Dan over there. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, it's a situation that is potentially getting out of hand, and I think I know we're trying to put that behind us right? because we were in that too. Yeah. And we're still, we're still digging our way out of it. I think. Yeah. And I certainly don't think parents are consciously raising their kids no. to be hyper consumers at all. It's just what has been slowly ingrained in us. Yeah. It's just, you know, things just kind of tar- started to just almost snowball in, yep. in a way. But you know what? The cool thing is that we're starting to build awareness and opening our eyes to the, the negative effects that, that the superficial lifestyle has and how it can negatively affect us mentally and physically and, how it can rob us of more important things in life, like building relationships and experiences with our families and loved ones. You know, and I mean, if scientists are discovering it, then I mean, come on. It's got to be. It's got to be legit. Got to be legit. There's got to be something to this, right? Of course. (laughs) And that, you know, and that's that's the point here is that the good news is that we are seeing the benefits of living a life with less. At least I know that Dan and I are, and I certainly hope that you guys are too. So after listening to our summary of of this study and after you go back and, and maybe watch the videos, just think about how it makes you feel. You know, 
Are you going to get angry or, or are you angry or shocked or sad or, or what about what I've talked about today or what you'll see if you go check out the articles and the videos? And then think about why you feel that way. Is it because you can relate? Can you identify with these families too? And you know what? That's okay because I know Dan and I do. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I mean, it hit home on a lot of fronts, you know, or it made me realize that that's what we used to do. And I'm so glad that we're kind of We've recognized that and we're moving forward. So I just want you to kind of think about that. Don't beat yourself up because it does no good to beat yourself up. Just having the knowledge you know, and recognizing some of these things is what's going to help you to change and, and possibly build a better life and a less stressful, you know, more meaningful life, which is the whole point here. That's the journey that we're on. That's what we are already experiencing together in little bits. And again, we're taking it step by step too, folks. So, um, but I'm just, you know, I just, when you listen and look at this stuff, just kind of think about that. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, the, the cool thing is, I think that the people who listen to this show, I mean, it's only two months old. We've only been doing this this podcast for two months. We get thousands of downloads every episode, and we get feedback that we'll go over some of the feedback later, but we have a lot that we don't read, too. And it's people who who know that they've... that. That, that we they don't could read be trapped to, the, by this. to our yeah, listeners. That we don't read. To, yeah, yeah, we read yeah, every. All we the don't feedback. read it publicly, but you know, we have people saying, oh, "You know, hey, my, I, I really wish my wife would do this," mm. or, or women saying, "I wish my husband would do this," or mm. "I have this friend," and uh, you know, it's just out there. And and to have you know, we have over seventy five people signed up for the Edit and Forget It Challenge, and posting on the Facebook page of progress that they're making yeah. all the way through this. So people people know they need this. They do. And I know we certainly do. Right. And uh, and I'm glad we're, and that's why we started. Remember right. the show number one, we started this podcast because we kind of felt like we were on our own right. and, uh, and we wanted to be part of a community and we couldn't find it. So we started it. And so that's why I think it's awesome to, that we can support one another right. on this. And help each other and kind of share thoughts and ideas. And I mean, we get different folks' ideas of what living a simple life is or what minimalism is and or, or whatever their their anywhere on is. that scale yeah yeah everyone on that scale and it's just it's really really interesting but it just tells me that there is a need yeah to live a simpler life i mean and i know we say this a lot and not to <laughs> to beat it to death but basically what you know we are interested in hearing your thoughts we are we love when we get the feedback from you but you know i'd love to hear your th- your feedback on on this particular topic. And if you watch the videos, let me know what you think. I'm really would like to, to hear from you to see if you kind of had the same feelings or how it made you either kind of reflect on the things that you're doing in your own life and what action that you might take from cool. here. Out. Sit down and enjoy a good ethnography. Ethnography. Right? <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> okay. So, so that's, that's my topic. What now, have you got our, today? Dan? Well, uh, here's, I'm going to talk about something that falls right in line with this where, some of the some struggles that I've had on this stuff. So, Good. so I want to talk about what I call gateway gadgets. If you remember back to high school health class and they taught you about gateway drugs, if you haven't heard of the gateway drugs or the gateway theory, essentially it's that by doing something at a lower or like entry level, it may make you more likely to do things at a more advanced level. So for like drugs, the theory is that, you know, using a Lesser drugs such as tobacco, alcohol, or marijuana, and I say that kind of in air quotes because they can be just as bad too, but if you use the lesser ones, that may make you more likely to use much more dangerous or hard drugs. The same thing goes for crime. If you allow yourself to be deceitful or engage in shoplifting or petty theft, it may mean to, um, lead to more serious or dangerous crimes later on. You know, as I was thinking about this, it's kind of the act of initially opening yourself up or kind of compromising uh, your values a little bit. 
And it's just a little bit at first, but it may lead to additional or higher levels of compromise later. Hmm. And so I'm not talking about drugs or crime here, but I, but <laughs> okay. I, think, I think the same thing applies to stuff. You know? you know, you get the idea. Small things can lead to big things. And uh, so I'm kind of looking at, uh, looking at how we unwrap this and how essentially I fell victim to this as well. And I'm going to kind of go through something that happened with, with or I, I caused myself. But huh. actually we, there's a little bit of we in here. Oh, huh? yeah. But as I go through this, I'm, you might... Are you calling me an, an enabler? An enabler. I'm no, an enabler. no, I'm not saying that. I'm just, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> You're just saying. You know? so, but okay. as I go through this for folks, I think, you know, I think anybody can look at this and maybe see a little bit of themselves in this situation too. And mm-hmm. I think we all fall victim to it from time to time. All right, so here we go. So when Vanessa was expecting our little girl, we decided, you know, like a lot of parents do, to get a camcorder, you know, figuring that... Uh, our son was getting bigger. The baby was about to be born. Maybe it's time that we invest. Yeah, how you know how many times you say that word oh, to that, yourself? Invest. Let's invest in a good camcorder. That's a yeah. That's better. That's good. I don't think anybody ever made money off of a camcorder. But uh, <laughs> so we we uh, we spent probably way more than we should have on this camera. But uh, it was high def. It was kind of new. It recorded right to an internal hard drive. And you know, why skimp, right? We deserve the best. Sure we of do. Of course we do. And so... Our children deserve, deserve that. Deserve the best. The, to have those memories. To have those memories. Yeah. They deserve it, right? So, well, little did we know how little we would use this darn thing. And after the initial glow... <laughs> you know why? You why? Because we used it a heck of a lot when I was pregnant, recording her, doing all her belly flop. I mean, my, yeah. my stomach was contorted. It was like alien, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> but, but then... Mommyhood took over and parenthood took over. And yeah. it was like, right, we just only had time to record yeah. this. I'm yeah, too no tired. kidding. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that was like the initial glow faded. We realized that, and also that this was, it was kind of a bear to use. And yeah. at the time we got it, it was like new technology and we thought we were getting something awesome. But I'm not going to mention the brand because they're notorious for proprietary software and managing the files was a pain and the, you know, just like a total, it wasn't super bulky. No, no. The camera, the camera was, nice. was nice. It's it was... just the user interface yes. and the mm-hmm. user experience was terrible. I mean, exactly. it was a yeah. total like pain in the fourth point of contact and, what? and that you say that all the time. I, well, what, so... <laughs> what do you mean about the fourth point of contact? I just, this is one of those things folks where I just nod and go, yeah, I think I get it. But really, well, what does that mean? Okay. Um, this is a total tangent, though. But okay, so when you're jumping out of an air, we'll, we'll probably cut this out. But when you're jumping out of an airplane um, and you go to land, you got to land in a certain way, you know, because okay. you're jumping with all this gear and everything. So it goes um, balls of the feet, calves, thigh, and then your butt. So the oh, butt is the fourth point of contact, oh, and, then, and then it goes your lat. They call it the push-up muscle, but, you know. But so that's you know you have the five points of contact. The fourth point of contact is your butt. Your so butt. it's a pain okay. in the butt. Gotcha. So uh. We'll cut. We won't subject everybody to that. But um, um, where was I? So anyway, so any I'll just I'll just kind of wing it here. Anyway, the video format wasn't compatible. The files were huge. They totally maxed out my crummy laptop that was made by the same manufacturer. Oh. <laughs> All right. Just saying. And, and essentially, it just, this thing ended up sitting in its top of the line camera bag because, of course, every good camera deserves a good bag. We'll be, we're going to be carrying it around all the time. All the time. You got to have a good bag. Yeah, protect it. Yeah. Only an idiot would not get a good bag. So, <laughs> right. so the other thing that we bought, uh, this was right at the cusp of the technology boom where smartphones were coming out and finally getting a little bit decent video. So 
it was almost a total waste of money. So we got this camera and then we ended up really just using our smartphones for most mm, things. It was easy, you know, Convenient. it was natural. Then Vanessa started up her professional organizer blog at getsimplifies.com. And we finally, at that point, this camera's a few years old. We wiped the dust off the camera to make a few videos because, hey, it's a blog. What good blog doesn't have videos, right? You got to have videos. In the interim, we had changed over from uh, these PCs, laptops, into uh, Apple Macs. So the once just clunky software was now totally unusable because they didn't even have a Mac-compatible software available mm. for this video camera. So it turned into like Workaround Fest 2009, right? <laughs> and so we're trying to find all these different ways to work around. And so we're buying conversion programs and backup drives yeah. that were large enough to hold the files and you name it. And then the whole online business thing was kind of new to me. I talk about that in the uh, website guide. But every reputable person out there that I followed and trusted online was using this camera called a Kodak ZI-8. It was just this tiny little $120 video camera, like a flip camera, remember? Yeah. And it was cheap. It was small. It recorded in HD. Yeah, it was good video. Yeah, but, you know, of course I had to have it. All the cool kids had them. So, you know, (laughs) when we got it, we used it for a while, and we did like the video, but the sound was, was pretty bad if you were recording in the house. Mm-hmm. Outside, it was great, you right. know, but in the house, it was just really bad. And uh, so, no problem. You just buy the lavalier microphone for $30, and that solves that. Cool. And, of course, you got to have a case for that one because it's just a tiny little camera. You know, you can't use the big old video camera. No. No. That's, uh-huh. Who would do that? So you buy that. And and then a little tripod, just a little tripod because you know, we had the big tripod for the camcorder, but who wants to lug around a big tripod with this tiny little camera? So yeah, that again, that was another no brainer. I'm shaking my head over here because I'm reliving this whole thing now. So well (laughs) a lot of our initial videos on getsimplifies.com were filmed with that little Kodak Z I eight. But you know what? The zoom was so bad. And just kind of the aspect ratio of the screen, it was just, tough. It was seemed a little constrictive for what mm-hmm. you were doing, especially for trying to demonstrate things and show things. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we thought, well, maybe we should try that old camcorder again. Now that the there was decent software conversion yeah. available, so or conversion software. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. <laughs> and but then we needed a better microphone. Mm-hmm. So because again, most most of Vanessa's videos are shot indoors, and she's a professional organizer not a landscaper so <laughs> so you know a good microphone is a must you got to have good audio mm-hmm. why not use that 30 dollar lavalier microphone well it just kind of left this little buzz and then there's oh, this whole long 25 mm-hmm. foot cord thing to deal with yeah it's kind of cumbersome a wireless microphone um you know wireless lavalier mic that would be the best the answer besides i mean yeah it's expensive but it's a business expense right <laughs> so all these things you convince yourself and so but then the same old angles and shots seem to get old, and maybe a green screen setup would be cool. You know, like the like the weather guys on TV, so you could do some cool stuff with a <laughs> yeah, green screen. We used that twice. I thought once. Maybe it was only yeah. one. Your cell phone video, and and then maybe another one. So yeah. Oh so we gosh, got this whole great. setup. You know, it was going to be amazing, and uh, uh-huh. so and you got to have good lighting. You know, uh-huh. you got to have good lighting. You know, video has to have good sound and good lighting. Uh, you know, can't you see yourself doing this with gadgets? I mean, oh. I think it affects everybody in some area of their lives. Mm-hmm. Maybe not with a camera, but uh, or video equipment, but maybe sports equipment or something. Oh, so. sure, yeah. I mean, I think about when I was running. I mean, all the stuff that I have for when I'm working out. 
Yeah, and 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 so it's just it's kind of natural, and it's and it's kind of it's kind of uh, thrown at us. Well, you got to have this, and but we we really got tired of having all this stuff. Good, it was good quality stuff, but it was stuff nonetheless. So when the new iPhones came out with their upgraded camera lenses, I think it was the iPhone four 4s that we got. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was a total no brainer for sure. Let's scrap all this other stuff and start using the iPhone. Simplicity at its best, right? Mm-hmm. All we need is this little microphone adapter, this macro lens, this fisheye <laughs> lens, this holder grabber thingy for the iPod, uh-huh. and, and the case to attach it to a tripod, uh, this app, and then that how to make amazing video by just using your iPhone course online, oh. and you know, taught by a videographer who won an Academy Award for best iPhone video or something. And, and then finally, you know, this goes on. <laughs> exactly. Now, but now we got that and it's all we need. Uh-huh. And that's all I need. Like Steve Martin and the jerk, the paddle ball and the remote control. And that's all I need. So, but that was it. That's all we needed. Simplicity at its best. That's it, right? Yeah, that's it. But never again will we buy into that whole gateway gadget syndrome. Never. That is until. Until the Canon T4i <laughs> came out. <laughs> And, and oh, this is that's, that's the camera. Amazing stills, amazing video, autofocus video, silent upgrade lenses, the, the king side SD card, you know, it records for like two light years. It goes on forever and ever. And, and, then, it, and then the video is big, so you got to have the one terabyte Thunderbolt hard drive for your iMac and, uh, you know, upgraded cloud storage plan to store the files. Pro tripod, pro camera backpack, cool, sleek LED lighting to replace the old, what are they called, the, the CFL bulbs? Oh, yeah. yeah. The and, and, the, and then they were like, we used those 10 times, I think, you know? And then, uh, and then the extended battery pack with the extra batteries and the subscription to the online uh-huh. video membership site and the extra lenses, you know, the ones that make things look fuzzy, which is like, you know, the opposite, the opposite of, of what you want to, but yeah, we got to have that. So all this camera and photography and video stuff, it's, it's like main, it's like digital crack. It's like mainlining <laughs> gadgets, right? And then, so I'm not saying don't start, but you know, that's probably not realistic. But what I'm saying is you just got to be careful of your predispositions and your triggers and, you know, and your simplicity goals. And I am a total gadget guy mm-hmm. and I am, I'm trying to wean myself from that, but mm-hmm. something as simple as I'm going to start running, like you, you mentioned running. Yeah. That can turn into crazy expensive shoes, running clothes, high tech water bottles with your, you know, Batman utility belt to hold right? the little bottles uh-huh. and, and those $3 packets of goo, oh, right? Yeah. And then the armbands <laughs> for your iPhone and waterproof <laughs> cases and tracking software. And then the expensive GPS because the app is good, but it's not that good. But it does share to Facebook. And then you scrap those for other apps. And then, you know, you're tracking your weight so you get a digital scale. And, and then, then you're going to go pay to run a half marathon, $125 to run, uh-huh. you know. But they give you that cotton T-shirt. But you won't wear that because it's not a performance T-shirt, right? Right. So all that stuff is scrapped later for those like ultra expensive minimalist shoes that have the individual toes. <laughs> yeah. So now you can, you know, run like the cavemen run, man, you know? Because they, they knew what they were doing. They, oh, cavemen, they knew what they were doing. They had to be you know, must be way. better. Oh, but maybe you'll get the socks with the toes because your toes chafe, you know? And then, I don't know if the cavemen wore the socks. Those. Yeah, they got the socks. And then, you know, paleo cream for your caveman toes. And, and, then, and then a pedicure because... Oh, that's well deserved. That uh, a pedicure is well deserved, yeah, because yeah, you, you don't want to have it. toes that look like Fritos. So, 
So yeah. So I mean, it's just that whole it's that Tell whole me. line of stuff. But it's so, so true, though. I mean, you I just know. get wrapped up into it, and you're like, "Well, this is going to make me perform better." Yeah. You know, my run's going to be so much better if I had, of course, you know, and I'm going to look better or something. And but who are you trying to impress uh, when you're running? You look ridiculous out there anyway. You're sweaty and nasty. So, ugh. so I, you know, th- I know this was a little bit of a rant, and. uh and, yeah, we're just, yeah, at least I use myself yeah. as an example, right? So yeah. you know where your weak points are. And <laughs> I mean, you certainly won't get any judgment from me or, or from Vanessa on this mm-hmm. one. We're just as guilty, if not more. Yeah, uh, but I know personally, this is a weakness for me and I'm working mm-hmm. at it. And, you know, in the words of the great philosopher, Jules Winfield in the, mm-hmm. in the Pulp Fiction, I'm, I'm trying, Vincent. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. <laughs> You know, <laughs> nice. But this is my weakness, and I'm working on it. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you share that with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's so tough, though. I'm just now. I'm just hoping people won't go back and check out my my videos. But they will see that evolution. They'll yes, see they that will. the rough yep. edge, nervous. What the heck am I doing? Videos yeah. on up to here. You go, folks. Up to that great lighting and amazing sound. With the T4i. That That's can right. Can only be captured by the Canon T4i. <laughs> yeah. So we got to edit it and forget it update. Okay, moving on. Thanks, Dan. That was awesome, though. (laughs) So, well, the Facebook Edit and Forget It page is rocking. So if you sign up for Edit and Forget It, join us on Facebook, too, okay? And for the folks that are out there, it's been great to be able to see your photos and interact. And, I mean, some people have really been raking up the numbers and posting Mm -hmm. some great stuff over there. Yeah. And um, so if you haven't been on the page, check it out so you don't miss a thing. Yeah, it's never too late to join the challenge. It's going on all year. So if you're ready to edit 2013 things from your life, head on over to SimpleLifeTogether.com and sign up. We have well over, actually over 75 people now signed up, and we get more every day. So come and join us. All right, so let's move on to the things segment. Vanessa, why don't you go first? Well, my thing is, I guess it's kind of stepping out of your comfort zone. And recently, I've actually uh, connected with our neighbor that's across the street. (laughs) And it's this really nice family. And they have lived across the street from us for probably three, four, or five years now. Well, they've lived there, but we were were gone and came back. Right. So, but still, I mean... We were here when they initially moved in. We're here for probably a couple of years. We moved away, and then they we came back. Uh, But but we've known them. We see them. We we wave hi. But I don't know if you can relate to suburbia. But what we found in in our area is just you 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 wave to your your neighbors, but that's about it. And you might say hi, and that's about it. But you don't really interact that much. Well, plus I'm a total introvert when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, Dave's a little bit more of an introvert, and but me, I'm not. But at the same time, I just. For some reason, I just like, I don't want to deal with my neighbors. I don't want to know about my neighbors that much. I, I know it sounds terrible. I guess it's just, I'm a very, when I get home, I'm like, I got things I got to do. Boom, 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 boom. You know, I don't want to waste my time, you know, talking and stuff. But anyway, long story short here is that finally my daughter's she's outside playing now. And the neighbor's kid is just only about a year and a half younger than her. And so she has a little play buddy now. Well, I finally started to step outside my comfort zone and started to interact with my with my neighbor a little bit more and come to find out they are fabulous. They are sweet and they are just wonderful people that I'm I'm almost ashamed that I didn't kind of extend my hand earlier and, and be a little bit more welcome. We introduced ourselves a while ago, but it was like I said, it was just kind of the superficial, hey, how you doing? Have a great day, bye. Yeah. Kind of a thing. But now we're starting to do like little play dates and and I'm just happy to know that you know, it's just comforting to know that 
you know, these two are going to grow up a little bit, have some more time together and, and be able to play and that they're a good family and that we can help each other out to watch each other's kids here and there. And it's just kind of nice to actually have a little bit of community, which is what suburbia should be. But I find a lot of times that it's the opposite of that. And well, so I think that it falls directly in line with your topic today where people seldom leave the home because they got the trappings of all that all that stuff. All that stuff so yeah. So anyway, cool. so kind of stepped outside my comfort zone and, and so it was just kind of a really cool, positive thing that happened um, to me. And I think it's going to happen, you know, it's going to have an effect on the family. So very cool. What's your thing? Well, um, my thing is, my thing is kind of weird this week, but it's, it's you supposed to, weird? yeah, imagine that, but suppose, uh, <laughs> you know, weird. it's supposed to be about something that has a positive impact, right? So mm-hmm. I got to admit that as we were, as we we're getting the podcast going, one of the things that we, um, one of the things you're supposed to do when you're starting a podcast is. You know, kind of identify the demographic. Who's wh- who are your likely listeners, and um, just envision who that target audience is and what a, a typical listener might look like and be interested in, and so forth. And I guess I figured personally that our demographic was probably skewed heavily towards women, women, and, women, and yeah. probably between their thirties and sixties is what I kind of thought. Is, is that because of kind of what I work with a lot? Primarily, yeah, my exactly. Yeah, are women probably. And, so. and um, mm-hmm. I really had nothing substantial to base that on other than some, I mean, really cursory research. And, and honestly, I didn't look into it that much as I figured we would just do our shows about our journey and hopefully, you know, build a community of, of people around it that we could share with and learn from and interact with. And well, now that we're uh, like two months into the show, as I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but yeah. we've been blown away by the response and the feedback and the number of people who signed up for edit and forget it and the website guide and, and honestly, all of it. And, and what we're finding out is that this whole simplicity thing just resonates with everybody, like male or female, every single yeah, age group, all over amazing. the world. I mean, you name it, it is all across the map. And, and we haven't been able to nail it down to what that one listener or reader might look like or their, their attitudes towards things. And because according to all these, everything that we get back, it just seems to be incredibly inclusive. And, and I'm really happy about that. It's a real good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Two other things hit me in, in regard to this this week too, and you know I, I follow a lot of Tim Ferriss's stuff yes, you're for Tim the Ferriss hacks. Fan. He has this um, video podcast with Kevin Rose called The Random Show, and both of them had New Year's resolutions about Why simplicity. Is it called the Random Show, just random topics and randomly I, posted. I guess, yeah, it is pretty <laughs> random on both both parts. So, but huh, interesting. Uh, both of them had uh, resolu- New Year's resolutions about simplicity for this year, really? and they're they're younger. They're they're younger than you. Uh, they also went on to talk about tiny houses, which we would really? love to talk about um, with somebody on the show. Yeah, that would be cool. somebody who's made the transition to a tiny house, uh-huh. you know, or or even a small house. I guess tiny house is like super tiny. A small house is like maybe under a thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a real definition, but um, we would love to talk to somebody who's made that transition already. I mean, you just imagine the lessons that you can learn there about uh, about scaling back and simplicity and all. Mm-hmm. So if that's you. Please let us know. Just send <laughs> us a cool. note or whatever. Yeah. We'd love to talk to you. And the other thing that uh, that hit me this week, and I know it's only supposed to be one thing. I guess I'm doing things, but they all revolve around the same topic. <laughs> what but are your things? It was do, it do, was do. <laughs> <laughs> it was bulk trash pickup in our uh, neighborhood. You know, when you can take your bulk trash out to the curb, and they come and the city comes around and picks it up, and there was lots of junk piled on the road mm-hmm. to be collected. And it, it really hit me in two ways. 
So these are things and sub-things, I guess. Oh my gosh. But the first one is, it's nice to see people letting go of the junk in their lives. It's great to have it. And then the second thing was, we had absolutely nothing of oh, significance to get rid of. We did it, do we? Nope. Like- we had a couple of things. We had some scrap wood uh-huh. that was actually in good shape. Somebody can use it. And you know, I'm a DIYer, but I'm letting that stuff go. And so then proud. So we, proud. Had a, we had an old screen door frame that, um, that hopefully somebody took and, uh, and recycled because it was aluminum. And uh, it was just too big that, for the normal trash, or it would have been gone long ago. That's amazing. That was it, though. That's it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was fantastic. Anyway, that's my thing. That's good. So those are your thingies, huh? Thingy. Things and sub things. <laughs> okay, well, it's time to catch up on some fantastic listener feedback we've gotten over the past couple of weeks. Well, you guys have been awesome about leaving iTunes ratings and reviews. Oh, thank and, you. Yes. And, and uh, we hope you keep it up. It really does help. And we've had reviews from Liz P1. And 1406, the gals at Mommy's Cocktail Hour podcast, which is fantastic. Athena 812, user 65322. Farnoosh of course, at prolificliving.com. Joel Zavzowski from Value is Simple, a fantastic blog, and he's also got a great podcast. The next person was The Other Mac. And there was Norman Waldo, B. Zarul, Law Girl 20064. And Liliana from San Juan, Puerto Rico, and even Matilda in Australia. Woo-hoo! Thank you so much. Yeah, that's awesome. We also got some uh, audio feedback on SpeakPipe from the website from Jameson Blake Schreckheis. And this is what he had to say. Hey, Dan and Vanessa. This is Blake Schreckheis from North Pole, Alaska. I wanted to call you and let you know that I really appreciate what you're doing uh, me and my wife, we listened to your podcast, and it was right around New Year's, and you were saying you're going to get rid of 2013 things in 2013. And I thought, wow, that'd be so awesome to do. You know, maybe someday I'll do it. And I don't know why I said that. And I was, thought to myself, well, why can't I do it? I'm getting rid of things. It doesn't cost me money. It'll make me money. It'll save me time. So I, I was like, oh, I can do it. And so I want to thank you for letting me realize I can do it. And we've already gotten rid of, I don't know, we haven't been counting, but maybe 500 things. And it's been liberating and awesome. So I just want to say thank you very much. And he also left us a great comment on episode 11 with a reminder that we all have kind of different needs for different stuff in our lives. And, but it's really the experiences that have the most meaning. On the website, Carrie from thesimpleyear.com, which is a great blog um, you should check out. She also left some inf- uh, some feedback for us, too. It was awesome. She sure did. And Corey from the IVMV podcast and the Relentless Podcasting Network really took episode 12 to heart and cleaned out 950 emails. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, he says now he looks forward for email to come in so he can file it and look at a clean inbox again. So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Great job, Corey. And Justine from Perth, Australia wrote in telling us that she really enjoys our podcast on her two-hour daily commutes. My gosh, poor Justine. Yeah, and she was uh, saying, too, that there's a bunch of fires and floods that are going on. It's their summer. Yeah. Um, And so uh, it's been plaguing the country, so we hope that everything's going well for for them over there. But luckily, she's not near that right now, but still. Good. Well, we'll keep those folks in our prayers. Yes. Okay, so that's it for Episode 14 of Simple Life Together. Today, I talked about the UCLA study of 32 typical suburban families and how physical, mental, and environmental clutter just took over their homes and threatened every aspect of their lives. And Dan talked about gateway gadgets and how, if you're not mindful, letting one seemingly innocent thing into your life can lead to more and more and more. And that's all we need. 
That's all I need. Right. (laughs) And my thing was realizing that simplicity really is becoming a universal concern and that one thing that everyone can use a little more of is less. And Vanessa talked about establishing a relationship with our neighbors across the street. Stepping outside your comfort zone. Exactly. That's good stuff. So that'll do it for today. Don't forget to sign up and receive the Simple Life Guide to Building Your Website. And to make sure you don't miss an episode, the best thing to do is subscribe to the show. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and lots of other podcast directories. Or you can go to simplelifetogether.com slash RSS and subscribe there as well. And I know you're busy. But if you like what you hear on the show, and if you get the chance, we'd appreciate it if you took just two to three minutes to leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. It does wonders to help others find the show. Just go to simplelifetogether.com slash iTunes and write a couple of lines, and that's it. And remember, you can find all the show notes at simplelifetogether.com. I know our show notes are packed with info, and we've had a lot of feedback that they're a great resource. But we're probably going to put a little synopsis for each show on there first, and then a link to the full notes. That way, everyone is happy. That sounds like a good idea. So you can connect with us on Twitter. I'm at Get Simplified, and Dan is at Daniel Hayes. We have links to our Twitter and Google Plus profiles on the website. And as always, we'd love to hear from you, so be sure to leave comments below the show notes or a voicemail on the site. Feel free to plug your show or your site, and we'll talk about it on a future episode. Or you can just send us a good old-fashioned email. We'd yes. love to hear from you. So until next time, we hope you enjoy your... Simple Life Together. Simple Life Together.